I mean, remind me with turns 12 and 14, that's going into the strip and out of the strip, yeah. right? And 13 is like this, the sort of bend across the strip. You are listening to LCR, what your soundtrack hell? to Loughborough. If you're wondering who we are, Technical we are issues. latest hits. Technical difficulties. I'm gonna, do, do, you, do, you wanna, oh do you want me to go and sort that out? But most importantly, oh, I, can have a, I can have a look. Radio station. Listen to Where's LCR. producer Zach? <laughs> this is Loughborough Campus Radio. Hello and welcome back to the Full Throttle Motorsport Podcast, the one-stop shop for all things motorsport. We'll cover news and events from Formula 1, 2, 3, WRC and beyond. We'll also give our terrible predictions, totally unbiased opinions and scorching hot takes. Today we're going to be touching down on the latest on the final round in the World Rally Championship. Then we'll return to the familiar F1 territory where Theo will give his take on the brand new Braun documentary on Disney+. After that, we'll cringe at our horrendous pr- predictions for this week's high-stakes race in Las Vegas. Finally, we'll be rounding off the episode with our predictions for the final round at the Yas Marina circuit in Abu Dhabi. I can still see the bags under your eyes from this morning's race to Fozy Trasher, Theo Silk. Exhausted from watching the replay at 10am this morning. Alex Albon podium, Lewis Jenkins. I'm guessing you didn't wake up early this morning. No, not really. I was laying in because had a bit of a hangover was oh, on Saturday dear. night. Likewise, to be honest. Yeah. But yeah, no, got up at 9.30, watched the race because it was like full replay of the race on Sky Sports. Yeah. So I just uh, put it on bit later this morning no i didn't actually have access for any of the live broadcast whilst i was whilst i was out over the weekend but i have seen the extended highlights a few times so i'm familiar with the run-ins and i know all the 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 key events so i'm prepared to take on the podcast for sure but no it was a really good race to be fair it was i was uh, i was very impressed but it was a complete flip from what we saw in fp1 but Mm. we'll talk about that a bit later but uh yeah it didn't really get off to the best of starts but yeah, no, it definitely I mean, produced some of the better racing that we've seen this season. For so. sure. I mean, Verstappen, it was the closest we've really seen him sort of race this season other than Singapore. But uh, it was really impressive to see, um, you know, the competitiveness with the Ferraris and then uh, the McLaren incidents and stuff like that. Anyway, it was it was a really good race. Definitely. I really enjoyed it. I can't wait so. to delve into it a little bit more. But first of all, I think touch on the World Rally Championship because they had their final race in Japan just this weekend as well. So similar sorts of early times. Uh, I caught some of the action for that. So it was Tokyo that took the championship and the race with a one two three five finish. In the standing order, we had Elfin Evans for Wales, part of Toyota P1, then Sebastian Ogier, I might be butchering that, apologies, uh, for France uh, in Toyota 2, then Kala Rovampura, excuse me, this, uh, he was from Finland, also for Toyota, Toyota P3, then Esapeka Lapi, also for Finland, but for Hyundai in P4, and Takamoto Katsuka, the, uh, the home hero in Japan, taking p5 for toyota as well so it was a pretty good round out for toyota this weekend oh, for uh, sure no they had good pace and it was good to see them doing well in the home race as well really yeah. in japan it's the same for hyundai too but there was quite an intense battle for p5 towards the end of both the laps for ot tanak the estonian ford driver and takamoto katsuka for japan and toyota it saw ot tanak actually spin out whereas katsuka managed to keep four wheels on the road and keep going and take P5, which is very nice to see. Yeah, so quite an um, action-packed event. Though. It was. It was pretty intense. Um, sure. A little bit of facts, actually, about a couple of the drivers. So Ravampura uh, came P3. He's the championship 
leader at the minute. He's basically won it. And he won last year as well. Uh, he's been competing since 2017, and he was the youngest champion last year in World Rally Championship at 22 years and one day old. Wow. So it's basically like a birthday present for him, which is quite nice. But he's been racing for a long, long time. He was in a rally car at eight years old, going through woods. And there's a video of it online that's like blew up. It's huge. Oh, it's literally just drifting through the woods. It's crazy. That can't be real, sure. Uh, and he is sponsored by Red Bull as well. So Red Bull, right. you know, they have Makes their fingers in a lot of pies and a lot of different extreme sports. And Rally is no exception. Yeah. And they've back in such a great driver as well. He's got so much more to come. So I'm excited to see what comes out from, from him in the coming years because maybe he'll be one of the greats of rallying. And then the race winner, Elfin Evans, he's uh, our home hero for Wales uh, in the UK. Uh, his dad, uh, Gwyndaf, was a former British champion as well for WRC. So he comes from Rally Royalty. So he's another one to oh, back really? if you're thinking of getting into WRC. Uh, keep an eye on Elfin Evans. Uh, he's been rallying since 2007, so he's been around for a, a qu quite, quite a bit a longer. Time, yeah. He's not as young as, as Ravampera. But there's two maybe to look out for. If you're coming from F1 and coming back to other motorsports and categories, definitely check those two out. Might be someone for you to root for. But yeah, overall... It was a good weekend. It was a nice little way to round off the championship. Nice place to do it, Em. So Decent. good good job for everyone involved. And uh, roll on 2024. Nice one. Yeah, I might have a look, little look at uh, World Rally Championship maybe next season. Or Yeah, definitely. It's good that we're expanding to other you know categories. Yes. It's, uh, it's really good. That's, that's the goal of this podcast. We want to learn, and you listeners as well, we're hoping that you're learning with us and you're, you're touching into these other categories. and Just share our sort of passion for motorsport. Let's move on very swiftly, though, to the Braun documentary. Yes. I've not seen it yet. I've not really had a chance to sit down and watch anything new yeah, for so a while. So. It's a limited season on, uh, on Disney+. Plus. It's come out on the 15th of November, so literally in the last week, so... Um, but it's presented by Keanu Reeves, which is a little bit, you know, weird to start off with. But he's really passionate about it. Like he's really he's a big motorsport fan. I know that for much. sure. No, he's um, he's doing a really, you know, good job at presenting mm. it. But uh, yeah, but no, he's talking to literally everyone. So um, all the members of staff from the from the Braun team back in two thousand and nine. So that's what the entire program's about, literally, that one-off season for Braun GP. The one-pound Formula One team, right? One-pound Formula One team, yeah, for sure. So it was because there was a great recession from 2008 to 2010 with the automotive industry crisis. And uh, so Honda could not financially you know, go into the next season of Formula One. So Ross Braun managed to persuade them to give them one more year and they got given a budget of only 90 million. Now, that might seem like a lot of money, but that for a small. Formula One that team, it's a small amount of money. Yeah. So um, they managed to get a sponsorship deal with uh, Virgin as well. So I think that added an extra 10 million, I'm guessing. Nice. I think. So, and they got an engine sponsor with Mercedes as well. So they yeah. had a good power unit. And at the same time, obviously with uh, McLaren, they had an exclusive contract with Mercedes yeah. for that engine. So for Mercedes to go, yeah, we'll give, um, you know, Braun GP um, our engine was a big thing. Yes. So the the entire documentary is just about, you know, all the issues that they had, yes. you know, the money crisis they, they were in. And 
another thing there, double diffuser. Yes, which I was, was about to mention that. Which that was, was a, very controversial. Yeah, it's a loophole um, that they exploited within the rules, uh, the sporting regulations, like... I don't know quite the ins and outs of it. I hope they go into more detail of it in the documentary. They do. They yeah. really explore it. So I'll let you, let you guys, the, the viewers, uh, watch it and find out for yourself. But mm. it's a very, very well-constructed documentary, and I would highly recommend it. So glowing review from Theo Silk. Yeah, no, for sure. No, um, but, I'll uh, be checking it out within the next week. Absolutely. But I just not had the chance to watch anything definitely new. Definitely, just give it. Just watch the first episode and see, yeah. see how you like it. But it's very good. And definitely see myself a little bit of like Drive to Survive sort of vibes, mm. but like especially with like Keanu Reeves, it might be a little bit yeah. on the sen- sensational side. But even so, yeah, you got to respect that they're telling this story. It's a very good story. To it's very in depth. Yeah, they go through everything, and it's, yeah. It's very insightful. I'm a big fan of Rubens Barrichello and his like interviews yeah. and stuff. He's oh, he seems to have such a lo- like really nice presence in the media. I know, like and the I, other. I, I always love hearing from him. Yeah, the other week when he was um, chatting with Martin Brundle on the yeah, so on the grid, wholesome, so just, wholesome. You know, you, you gotta love him. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, no. some of the legacy drivers just they still stick around with the sport. Even Jackie Stewart is like still there, always every on the weekend. grid, every single yeah. week. He's he's just there, and I, I absolutely love it. Mm. But uh, you just get these big presences on the grid. So David Coulthard, like Mark Webber, they're still in the sport. Yeah, I love it. Jensen so, Button, yeah, Jensen Button, yeah, no, exactly. So yeah. you know, it's um, it's definitely worth a watch. So if you've got time in your hands, go on to Disney Plus and uh, give it a watch. Thank you very much for the review over there. Now let's move on to our predictions for the Las Vegas Grand Prix and yeah. how they actually held up. Mine were terrible. <laughs> I'm just going to say it straight away. Mine were absolutely shocking. So let's kick off with qualifying. I had Charles Leclerc, which mm. was very correct. And I am super happy about that. Very much so. <laughs> I, I was like almost certain that Ferrari were going to do well. And they absolutely blew away my expectations. I did not expect them to pull out laps like that in Q1 and Q2. That's just no. that's wild. And Charles Leclerc was saying, oh, it's my best lap I've probably ever done in F1. And the Q2 run-in, and he did mess up. He literally messed up the first sector in his final run-in, and it was still enough for him to set fastest sector on sector two and get the fastest time in the session, which is crazy. And his teammate, Carlos Sainz, even though he was going to take a 10-place grid penalty, taking P2 on the grid, it was only, what, I think it was like three hundredths of a second or something. Yeah. It was quite a small margin, and he was fine for all, all... He was setting personal best for each sector. Uh, and he was still just off of Charles. The Charles qualifying pace. When he's on it, no one can get anywhere close to him. When he's in that working window with the car, and when he's on a track that suits the car, you're never going to see him. This is his 23rd pole position. Yeah. But it's just his conversion rate that is the problem. It's his 12th streak, I think, of not converting poles into wins. Yes. 12 race streak. Yeah, it's it's not a great record to have. But he's just got such good pace in qualifying. It's annoying to see that he can't convert it all the time. Because yeah. I think from pole position, he's only won four times. Yeah. And to, you know, get pole position 23 times in your career, I mean, you're, you're racing against Max Verstappen. So yeah. it's, it's pretty I mean, difficult to convert. You but. say that. They're, ju- they're quite evenly matched, both Max and Charles. It's just the teams are so different. Red Bull have been champions... And then been the underdogs, and through that stage of being champions and then going to underdogs, 
For them, it's like they've learned how to maximize every single part of the team, from the pit crew to communications between the team and the strategy and the drivers, uh, streamlining all of their all of their design and all of their research. Everything that they do is perfect, and they've been super strict with themselves to basically perfect their setup and make sure that each part is kept working and kept almost lubricated and you know yeah so you think running. fred vassour is doing a good yeah, job i with think ferrari. i think fred is trying to do something similar he's trying to streamline parts of ferrari but like the corporate side of ferrari i think tends to interfere quite a lot because of how much legacy they have and how much of a following that they have they have certain things that they want to commit to but then at the same time they can't quite get it out i think Ferrari themselves have said whenever we've got Italian people running our team it doesn't ever seem to come together because for them it's like Italians having that pressure to run their own team for their own country it becomes almost too much no, uh, sure. and having no, Fred on the, on the wheel he seems like a really solid team principal I mean he, he did pretty good with Alfa Romeo when back when he was team principal there he was bringing them up into good midfield points mm. quite quite a lot of the time and seeing him at Ferrari hopefully give him a couple more seasons and he should be able to get their form back into shape but we'll i mean it's see. just these finishing touches that they need like Basically. they've got the pace they that, as they showed this weekend they've got the pace to get the get the car on the front row mm. and then it's just you know converting that into race wins basically just and uh, they they had the opportunity at the start of the you know the regulation changes mm. and they showed really good pace there but it's just you know getting these final touches and making sure that they can convert those pole positions and good places on the grid to you know podium positions yes so essentially yeah who was your pole prediction so i had max verstappen i was a bit too optimistic you know for you know verstappen sort of yeah, control really, of the weekend yeah. I, I yeah it was a p3 for him in the end wasn't it no so he just got he did outdone okay. by the ferraris yeah i don't quite remember what the gap was but i don't think i think it was relatively far back in terms of qualifying like it was like yeah. two temps or something which is like for max that's pretty big deal but at the same time if he's starting p3 he kind of knew what was going to happen he literally got five second time penalty in the opening laps of the race and was just like yeah send him my regards yeah oh. he didn't really care it was no. just like well he's already whatever. won the championship so yeah. he, just, he, d he doesn't yeah. care basically but, um, but he still wants to win every single race which is Good willing mentality. Yeah, it's just he's got that. Um, it's like the nil-nil mentality, right? That they have in football. They always take that to each game. Like, oh, even if you're four goals down, you still have mm. that nil-nil mentality, or four goals up, even like because you don't want to get complacent or you don't want to get too much despair. Yeah. So I think the fact that he can go into each race and treat it like he's P zero, and he can just he just does his thing is phenomenal. I mean, the, um, nothing gets to him. The science penalty actually really benefited him, to be honest, because he mm. had the inside line going into the first corner and obviously he had that really, you know, controversial um, uh, incident with Leclerc pushing him completely yeah. off the track. But that was uh, rectified by the FIA. They yeah. gave him a five second penalty, which I think was justified. Mm. But, um, yeah, he just has that drive every single race just yeah. to absolutely go for it with whatever he has. And, you know, he, he converts it most of the time. Yeah, it's not just the car you have or the quality of the driver that you are. It's also the way that you can handle the pressure. And he's demonstrated that if you have that sort of personality where you can just go into every race and the worst thing can happen and you can just be like, eh, whatever. 
or some bad things can happen that would normally for most drivers and most teams ruin their race for him it's just bounces off him it's like okay i can cover i can make up time here or i think the most worrying thing i trust is my team more importantly no pressure at all he's already won the championship he's yeah. got nothing to lose and that's what's the you know scariest part about mm. it like he can literally do whatever he wants really mm. i think we should move on now to the top five in the race for our yes. predictions so who did you put for p5 i put landon norris let's talk about that <sighs> Uh yeah, that, that we got we got worse ones to come to. All right, so yeah, I, I, painful, you're, you're huffing over there, and then it's going to be me literally in tears when we get to P three. But anyway, P five, Landon Norris, he did he did DNF, and yeah, third it lap. was he hit a bump, uh, lost control, went into the barrier, had to go to medical center, got referred to the hospital. Yeah, and so. uh, he's fine. He's his social media. He's just kind of making a little bit of light of it, trying like not to let it get to him mm. he stumbled out the car a bit he didn't look a bit maybe concussion or he was something shaking in the cockpit it was yeah. really oh yeah something like that you you would be pretty scared i mean losing the back end at like 180 miles an hour yeah on a really fast yeah. section of the track and then just binning it in the wall mm. it's pretty scary stuff but mm. um but i'm glad that he's okay he is completely fine now yeah but um he could have had the pace to be up in p5 p4 definitely I mean, Piastri showed that. I mean, they were both climbing the field yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah, their car is still, even though it's not quite the track for them, they can still get through the field and make a move towards the front, which is nice to see, but it's yeah. obviously not great when your whole race is ruined because of a bump on the track and just is unfortunate. But. I know, but it, it happens. Stuff like this happens. He hasn't, you know, um, been there in the wall or, you know, crashed no, out wasn't very his often. Fault. It just happened. It, it's not something he does particularly often. So. Yeah. You know, it's it happens to every driver, really. Yeah, you're gonna um, have them races, but exactly. Anyway, your P5, Fernando Alonso. He was P9 in the end, and it was actually was. Lance Stroll that ended up in P5. I Come got the p- wrong. I got the wrong uh, Aston Martin. You did, you did. But it's still an Aston Martin at the end of the day. So but you got you got a bit closer to your prediction than I did. So <laughs> props to you for that. Lance Stroll's drive from P19 to P5, he made up 10 places in that first lap because of Alonso's spin. He managed to capitalise on that really well and make up so many places, get himself in P9 and just slowly get his way through the field. Uh, I think the safety cars worked out pretty well for him in terms of how he could use that to maximise his strategy. For sure. So, yeah, I'm 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 quite happy for him. Personally, I'll, I would prefer someone else in F1, like Felipe Dragovic or... Yeah, but, you know, it's, it's but good to see that, you know, he's overcoming his uh, previous issues this season. Yeah, but we've how many times have we seen that with Lance Stroll? Where he's like, he's had a few good results and then he's just had some stinkers. And then they have a few good results and then they have stinkers. It's like, there's no consistency. You don't... Yeah, that's what you're likewise going into with Alpine, week. to be honest, isn't it? Like, they mm. they have really good races and then they absolutely, you know... Have shockers too. Have absolute shockers. But that's that's what it's like being a midfield team, to be honest. You're going to get some really good drives and then you're going to get some really yeah, bad ones. Yeah, but you ones. expect that from the car. You don't expect that from the driver. That's the problem that I have with Lance Stroll is that if the car is obviously going to be suited to certain tracks, look at Williams, right? They're great on the straight lines. And you know the races where you see a big straight, it's like, okay, Williams are going to do some overtakes there. They might get some points here. But you don't expect that for a driver. We we don't know what's going on inside Lance's head. We don't know what tracks 
he's really good at and what ones he's not because it just seems to differ each time. It's yeah. like every even between races, like sometimes in qualifying, he'll just have a terrible lap. It'll crash out. And then in the race, he'll do amazing or the mm. other way around. He'll have a belter of a lap and spin on the first lap and that'll be his race I over. Know, he is know? very mistake prone, but my point is that it's good to see him have a good race or yeah. have a couple yeah. good races, you know. 100%. We've got to give it to him because he has had a really tough time this season. Um, but, but yeah, that wasn't in my prediction. I, I think I put him as, you know, biggest flop, but it is what it is. <laughs> it's okay. We've got, we, like I said, we've got some worse ones. So what was your P4? Sergio Perez. So I thought, I thought he would improve, but not to the extent that he did. Um, I mean, the race strategy he was on and the sort of uh, safety car incidents yeah. really benefited him. They did. So I think, but he did have an incident on the first lap where he had to come in for a front wing change. But he still managed to make a great drive to P3. Unbelievable drive. Yeah. I mean, the uh, battle for second with... Charles that, Leclerc yeah, on that last lap. Very unlucky to lose that P2, but... Do you know what was surprising about that? Race direction didn't cut to Max Verstappen. They kind of just had him in the shot as the battle was going on. I really like that they did that. It was quite yeah. smart from the race directors. So props to them for actually getting something right for once. Yeah, because every single race, they sort of prioritise that uh, Sorry, P1 over there. flag. Giggling. <laughs> You're right there. <laughs> he didn't like the fact that I s***ed off there. I think that was slightly unnecessary, the way that you put that so bluntly, but um, that's all I'm going to say. Sorry for cutting you off there, Theo. Carry on. That's fine. So, yeah, Sergio Perez, P3, uh, this race. And he's uh, secured uh, P2 in the championship now. So I think that's yep. put all of the sort of check over uh, comments to shame. Yeah, it's good to see that he's finally found his form again. The Mes Mexican Minister of Defence is back. He for is sure. back. And it's great to see. He did secure, like you said, second place in the driver's constructors, uh, which means that Red Bull got their first ever 1-2, which is great. I'm actually genuinely happy for them. As a not Red Bull racing fan, I am still very happy for they them. They deserve it. Yeah. They really do. It just shows how, how their journey as a team has been incredible and is a testament for what you can achieve if you have the right mindset. You can go through a period of dominance and then fall back and use that as a learning experience rather than, you know, like, I'm going to go on and, you know, say something bad about another person or another organisation about Mercedes, actually. I think their attitude at the minute is, like, they've just... They're, they're, they're like, spoiled kids, you know, especially Toto Wolf. It, it genuinely sounds like a spoiled brat. Um, I, I, I love him, don't get me wrong. I... I I appreciate him as a team principal, but as a businessman, it just... No, I, I get where you're coming it's from, quite but it's, like, it's it, a bit frustrating when you're in his, his position. You've just won seven, no, eight world champion, well, eight constructors world championships yeah. in a row. And you're just going through a period of, you don't know who you are anymore. You've got no real identity. Yeah. They're just bad at losing. Yeah. That's their problem. They're bad at losing. And it, it sucks because Toto Wolf is just there and he's just crying. It's like, if you're crying about it, it's not going to do anything. You need to make make some changes. Don't go on the media and start saying, oh, the car's undrivable. It's bad. Like, yeah, we know that. It's not even that bad. It's all right. It's it's at, Sure, it's at the back of the top, but it's still at the top. 
And it's still got the potential to be a good car. So rather than go and whine about it, do something about it. Everyone's got, well, Mercedes, Ferrari and McLaren have opportunities to get on the top step. Yeah. But it's like when you're up against this Red Bull team, it's very difficult. It's going to be difficult for everybody. So... You know, as this, you said, whining about it's yeah. not going to help. But I, I don't again, like, it's very frustrating no. for them just coming off, yeah. you know, the eighth, eighth world championship. Yeah, Cause I just he's just to me it's just hypocritical because he's just like when other people do it, he'll say something about it, and then whenever it happens to him, it's like oh this that the other. It's just shut yeah, up. I mate. think that's shut the up. exact same with other team principles. Yeah. To be honest, it's like, you're thinking of yourself. I get it. Yeah. I do get it. But just whinging about it's not going to do anything. Just make I the know. changes and. But there's Learn always going to be better. this bitterness between Red Bull and Mercedes. Yeah, it's definitely. never going to, it's never going to sort yeah. of, you know, Very calm down. Rivalry. Before we move on to our top three predictions and further on, let's hear a few messages from our sponsors. You are listening to LCR, your soundtrack to Loughborough. If you're wondering who we are, we're your latest hits and your daily mix. We're your party starter and your study partner. But most importantly, we're your campus radio station. Broadcasting 24 hours a day, every day. If you want to get involved or if you've got an idea for a new show, be sure to join our Facebook group. And just search for LSU Media Volunteers. And join in the conversation on Twitter. We're at LCR Live. Loughborough Campus Radio. LCR. Listen to LCR, your soundtrack to Loughborough. This is Loughborough Campus Radio. Welcome back, listeners. Let's carry on with our predictions. Who is your P3 prediction, Pia? So my P3 prediction was Lewis Hamilton. Okay. But, uh, I mean, he didn't have the greatest of races, but... No. I mean, at the start of the race, he was fighting back through the field. And then, uh, obviously, you know, just had a few bumps in the road and then got set back a little bit. So, I mean, that, that first incident in the first corner put him back a lot. Yeah, it But did. he just kept on... He, I, it was a valiant effort, and he ended up P7. Yeah, no, he, so, he tried really hard. Like, yeah. You've got to give it to him, but... He's, he's still got that fight. He's still that, got that world champion material. It's, it's great to see that drive hasn't dropped. It's a similar sort of thing we're seeing with Fernando. It's very rare that you see drivers head into their mid to late 30s and still perform at the level they were performing five, ten, like five and ten years before that. Exactly. So you got to hand it to him. He's doing, he's doing phenomenal. And yeah, yeah I'm big, not big forgetting respect. the uh, Lewis slander last weekend. <laughs> but anyway, no, yeah. it's, it's fine. No, nah, I, I do, I do like Lewis Hamilton. I do have a lot of, a lot of respect, a lot of time for him. Yeah. So it's, it's great to see him. You know, struggling on. He's doing his best, mm. and hopefully next year it can be a lot better if. Mercedes, Mercedes can get on their issues. Exactly. We just got to hope for for next year that they're yeah. going to be more competitive, along with Ferrari and McLaren. If we, uh, you know, provide better races than we did done today. But anyway, who did you put for third position? You know, you know exactly <laughs> what I put. Go on. Uh, for those who didn't catch last week's episode, I said Alex Albon P3 is probably the most. Oh dear. The most, <laughs> oh dear. It's literally the most opportunistic prediction I could have made. But it was basically Williams is probably their last chance to get in points because I don't think it's going to happen at Abu Dhabi. That circuit isn't really suited to them. Let's look at qualifying, right? 
amazing. P5, P6, uh, P6, P7, sorry, that they actually qualified at, ended up P5, P6 because of Sainz's grid penalty, which we'll get to later. But it was such a good job. The, the, putting them laps in, I was in I was in bed and I was just celebrating. Like, yes. I had an unbelievable qualifying. To do, yeah. like, for Logan Sargent so to get P6. Yeah. Well, he qualified P7 with Carlos Sainz, but, like, all unbelievable. I have to say, all I have to say about that is, what the fuck is a kilometre? <laughs> That's all i got to say. <laughs> oh, my God. But, uh, you can hear the eagles flying above. <laughs> Feels so American, but yeah, it's, man, it's great to see. Um, my my eyes lit up uh, when uh, you know Logan Sargent got in the top ten. Yes. I thought you know it's great. This is unbelievable, and then you know the it wasn't happened? entirely their fault. They were well, they were ten laps down on the hard tires by the time the safe, the safety car came out, and that was kind of they weren't were, really gonna get much more pace towards the end of the race. There were quite Just, a few drivers yeah. who got sort of you know messed up by the safety car you got you know yeah. uh charles leclerc obviously he didn't pit for fresher tires did he so he got uh left out on the you know uh on the used hards on the used hards and uh you had perez and verstappen chasing him down on the fresher rubber and he wasn't really going to stand a chance but he fought back really well didn't he but uh, and yeah. then you got other drivers like obviously Alex Albon and Logan Sargent, Piastri, yeah. Gasly, and Ricardo. Yeah, seeing them so, draw back, it was just it was pain. It was actually painful. As soon as Logan Sargent left the top ten, I was like, "There's no yeah. real chance of him coming back." Yeah, and he just kind of stayed down there, and it's really unfortunate to see. But that's what happens in Formula One when we you have a safety car at the wrong time. It's gonna it's gonna end up shafting yeah. some people and. For Albon and Sargent, they were caught in the they were caught in the crosshairs of uh, the bad luck this time, and yeah. it's quite sad. But when you have these street tracks, you're going to get unpredictable events happening. So you've got to be yeah. you've got to be prepared, sort of. Yeah. But, Especially um, on new tarmac, on cold track temperatures, in the cold air temperatures as well, yeah. uh, and then you lay out. There's all these different variables. Anything could happen, and loads did happen, and it was it was wild, and it's really unfortunate. But we can really look at this weekend with a you know positive light because you know Logan Sargent and Alex Albon in the top 10 for qualifying beating Perez uh, both the McLarens and Hamilton it was just absolutely unbelievable yeah. performance yeah even Ocon and some of the other back markers that were looking quite promising and Hulkenberg went out in Q2 and Magnussen did manage to make it through, but, you know, he was still behind. Same with Bottas. They both got to Q3, but... Yeah, they all fell back qu pretty yeah. quickly in the race, didn't they? But yeah, just unfortunate. And the Williams were actually holding on, so they would have had good race pace too if it wasn't for the strategy, but... Exactly. It's done now. Yeah, and I the can, safety car did mess up quite a few yeah. drivers. I'm going to be I'm gonna be crying tonight. Yeah. I'm going to be in bed just You sobbing. and me both. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah, for you as well. If Those if whole I... two points that we got this weekend. Yeah. Anyway, it's fine. So, moving on to P2. Who have you put? So, my P2 was Max Verstappen. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I remember that. And it was a time where he was running quite further back than that, uh, but he did end up winning the race, taking exactly. the leads about halfway through, and that was sort of it. There's not really any catching Max once he's got that lead, you know. He's yeah. built, like closing that gap is like a monumental task. But I stand and by my point earlier, saying that if Carlos Sainz was in front of Max Verstappen, 
for that start. Charles Leclerc probably would have gone on, you know, yeah. quite quite a lot further than that, we would have expected. A front row lockout would have been a game changer for Ferrari, and it's probably the only way they could have won that race because Leclerc literally come and said, "I did everything I could." It's just heartbreaking to and see. He was, He's had such rotten luck. Yes. In the he last has. few years, but and I may, we may as well put them together. Charles Leclerc was my first mm. uh, prediction, and you put Max then Charles. So I put Max then Lando Norris. Oh, you said Lando was going to win. I put Lan- No, so first place Max. Max Verstappen, second place Lando Norris. I see. That ended within three laps. <laughs> yeah, that's it is so sad, isn't it? But I was devastated, but it is. You know, you, you get these issues that happen. Yeah. There's nothing much you can do about it. I still cheered on uh, Piastri throughout the race, and I thought he was going to get massive points, and then, you know, he didn't. They had to pit. He had to pit, but the safety car was at a really awkward point. Yeah. It was at the point where he couldn't pit for mediums because they wouldn't last the rest of the race. So he had to stick with his two-stop strategy and then hope for a safety car near the end of the race but that didn't happen i thought they were going to pit him 15 laps uh before the end of the race they ended up uh pitting him five laps before the end of the race yeah so he had very limited time to sort of you know get back of the drivers Mm. and get back into the top 10 and he showed an unbelievable amount of pace to catch gasly i think it was nine seconds behind him and then he caught him within like three laps which is unbelievable it's so, great to see him maturing on the track. Uh, I mean, he's already quite level-headed yeah. and quite a calm and collected person. Whenever there's an incident, he kind of can almost retrospectively look at it in the driving seat. When your adrenaline levels are that high, how can you just sit there and not get angry and you just kind of reflect on what happened in the moment? It's, yeah. it's, such a, it's such a gift that he has to do that. And that will take him far because if he gets himself into an incident, he can just acknowledge that, like, okay, I messed up here. But we move on and we will carry on and he'll do whatever he needs to in the race. It's like it's the same thing with Verstappen. He's not letting him get to him. And I really think that Oscar Piastri is one to watch going into the future. 100%. He, he will be a world driver's championship. That is my long term prediction. With McLaren. <laughs> yeah, fingers but crossed with McLaren. The thing is, it's like he's such a mature driver. Coming straight into Formula One. I mean, you know, he got trained by Alpine and then left them for McLaren. Yeah. And And he's he's come straight in and he's done so well this season. Do you know what probably really helps as well? Mark Webber. Yeah, his manager. Mark Mark Webber has been in a position where he's 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 been a great driver, race winner, you know. But he's was in the situation where he was playing second fiddle to Sebastian Vettel. And from that, he's learned how you can deal with someone being more dominant and how you can deal with setbacks and stuff. And I imagine he's passed this down to Oscar Piastri. And from there, Piastri can take that knowledge and obviously with his personality as well, where he can just, you know, he's quite calm and collected. He can translate that into the races and use it as something to help him improve. So it's really great to see that He's getting he's getting really good training. He's got a really great manager, and he's in the perfect spot for his career at the minute. Yeah. And I'm so excited to see what he does next. It's great to see this talent coming through Formula Two. To be honest, like you've got you've got these great drivers coming up, and I can't wait for the future to see how mm. many of them yeah. do and really the, well. And the minute we got Ayumu Ayumu Iwasa and Oli Behrman, I want as one to watch. 
Poor Chair, he's been there a few years. He's doing great, but like in your third year of F2, it's like I don't know. I, I don't think see. he'll be given a chance. He's got to be given like he's got to have that chance yeah, in but Formula look One. Look at Dragovic. Dragovic was a F2 champion, and he's still sitting on the sidelines. I mean, look at like you know Nikita Mazepin, who had like one one season in yeah, Formula One. But that was more pay driver shenanigans, though, isn't it? Guan Yu Zhou as well. I think he paid quite a lot of money to be in Formula One, but he did. But you've, you've got to have these drivers to at least have a shot. Yeah. I think, even if it's as like a reserve driver, and they come on through yeah, practice yeah. sessions. I mean, to be fair, uh, Port Chair was very unlucky. Yeah, he didn't really get one, did practice he? Practice session, no. Heartbreaking, to be honest. Yeah. But I've got to say. Oli Behrman coming up. I think he's a really talented driver. Very, and He very showed it in his uh, Haas debut. Yeah, and Haas, I think, are really keen to take him on. Even though they're not really a fan of rookies, I feel like I feel like they maybe are a bit more better equipped to deal with it now. Yeah. Obviously, coming off of the back of 2021, where they had two rookies that were in what was basically a pretty terrible car as well. It was shambolic, and... Mm. The, that environment was not great because the car wasn't doing well, the drivers weren't doing well. Steiner didn't really know what to do about any of it. And then the year after, when you actually see Magnussen come in and just kind of wipe the floor with Mick Schumacher, you kind of think, what could have been for the last year? And for them, I, I think has to having a lot of regrets. And it, it makes sense for them to not want to take on rookies, but at the same time, you don't want to get a driver bottleneck. Exactly. You've got to have the balance between experience and, you know, these new young drivers coming into the sport. I think this is where Oli Behrman, if after a second year in F2, he could probably take to F1 quite well because he's coming off of he's coming off of a pretty solid practice session. He's shown really great promise in F2 in his debut. So I think there's a lot to there's a lot to look forward to of him, and I'm really excited to see where that goes. And hopefully he can get into even Ferrari one day because he is in their driver academy. No, for sure. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, you got to hope with these rookies, but um, yeah, it's just who's going to survive the longest? Basically, Nico Hulkenberg or Kevin Magnussen. Mm. It's just they're they're both set for next year. Yes, they're both in that seat. I don't think there's any mm. speculation around them not being in that seat. Yeah. So we just got to see next season who How it is going. Yeah. Uh, so, speaking of. Magnussen and Hulkenberg actually I want to cut to wildcard predictions because my one was Haas would make a turnaround in their form but bin it in the wall it didn't actually bin it in the wall Hulkenberg did have a DNF due to a power unit issue hmm. um, so I was sort of right and they did have a good turn of form I mean Hulkenberg managed to make uh, sorry Magnussen managed to make it to Q3 and the race pace, it wasn't the best. Magnussen no. didn't seem that happy in the I mean, they're not great on race pace anyway. No, but, but it was better than they were before. And the track was, it did okay for them. No points, but you can no. see that there's like, there's something in the cards that they can learn from. They're just trying to figure out the package. To be fair. But my prediction the week before was that Magnussen would out-qualify Hulkenberg. That didn't happen, but it did happen this week. And he also beat him in the race, so. So two and one. Yeah, I, I kind of managed to make up last week's wildcard prediction from being poor to being good. So, exactly. yeah, double whammy there. So it's not that horrendous on the wildcard side of things. But exactly. Anyway. Well, no, it did well. What was your wildcard prediction, Fear Silk? So my wildcard was uh, two red flags. So um, I thought with, you know, corners number 12 and 14, like you're coming off high-speed straights, and it's going to be quite difficult for the drivers, you know, conquering this track for the first time. Yeah. 
and we saw that with a uh, Lando Norris on lap three, but you know it wasn't a red flag at all. It was a it was just a safety car. I think it was I, even a VSC, wasn't it? It was virtual safety car for his incident, and it was a full safety car for Russell and Verstappen's yes. little clash that they had. I, I thought there were going to be more serious incidents, let's just yeah, say. But I'm not saying that Lando Norris's incident wasn't serious. But Yeah, the, the corners, those corners in particular, they did have solid runoff areas and a few others as well. So I think two yeah. red flags in a race was quite a ballsy prediction. On I know, I, I just, you know, but one, one, red flags, one red flag's a bit, you know, boring. Yeah, so, two is a bit spicy, right? Yeah, two, got two more standing starts or something like that. It's interesting. Yeah, exactly. Um, I actually wanted to speak about... We did have two red flags, but they yes. weren't in the race. They were in free practice one free, uh, and in free practice three. So in free practice one, it was nine minutes into the session. A bunch of the cars had done about four laps. And one of the drain covers shot up from the, the, the track and through Carlos... Signs his seat, it damaged his engine, it damaged his power unit, damaged the electronics, damaged his chassis, mm. hit his seat, could have injured him really badly, and basically ended the session, red flagged the session, they went and checked all the drain covers, realised that none of them were up to safety standards, had to put quick dry cement, uh, concrete sorry, over all of them, and they had to delay the start of FP2 by two and a half hours, they gave them 90 minutes of running, but running into 4 a.m. for the drivers is, you know, it's not ideal. They all looked right. absolutely shattered at the end of that, at the end of that uh, Friday night or Saturday morning, rather. So I feel really bad for them. I was no sorry for it is Friday morning. They st- in the yeah. US it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So yeah, Friday morning. They didn't get to bed until probably six or seven a.m., which is you know not good for anyone's it's sleep schedule. It's not good conditions at all for the drivers. No, I mean yes. You can have a great night race, as we see in Singapore. But when you're putting the drivers through this kind of pressure, I mean, getting them to race at 12 o'clock at night, and it finishes at 2, and then, you know, it's ridiculous. They're pretty sleepy boys, you know. I know. They're 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 still human. Yeah, they need their beauty sleep, you know. And F1 and FIA made sure they didn't get that, and it's quite sad. Um, Well, and it is... A black eye on the sport. I'm going to go completely against what Toto Wolf had to say about it. It is a black eye on the sport. It's not good enough. I'm not just annoyed for the drivers. I'm annoyed for the fans as well. Yes. Because they went to go... See, they've spent a lot of money yeah. on these tickets, and they're not cheap. They Mm-mm. spent thousands of pounds to be there. And then following, I think, prior to FP2, they just got kicked out. Yeah. They got asked to leave, and then um, they got offered a £200 coupon uh, for each person. And it, it's just not right at not all. what they paid for. No, they want to see cars on the track racing on a weekend. Like, it, it's not fair for them. No, not at, at all. At all. And it should be the track's responsibility to make sure that there are marshals, yeah. making sure that the fans... And the drivers are safe, mm. not just the, not just them, but also everyone involved, the staff, yeah. the teams. But they didn't meet those expectations. No, and it's really disappointing to be honest. But you've got to admit, the rest of the weekend, so Saturday and Sunday, they did put on a good show. But it's just yeah. one dark patch that sort of. 
Um, if that's how you want to open your weekend, then it's just it's not a good look. It just isn't. And they really should have checked the safety of that much sooner than they did. And it's it is disappointing. Well, I think they just finished the building the track on the Thursday. Yeah, literally during the yeah. during the opening ceremony, they were still finishing the track. So that's it's a, not that's appalling. That's not on Formula One. That's no. just the track. That's Las Vegas's responsibility. Well, it was Liberty Media that were hosting the event. It is F1. Okay. It's, it's not they're, they're they're the ones that have the contract with the city to do the race. It's not some other company. It is Liberty Media themselves. Right. Okay. And that's why coming out of the race when the issue did occur, there was no FP1 highlights. There was no statement apart from the very corporate statement, basically say, please stay and have some like spend some money. You know. Yeah. Other than that, they didn't say anything, and Sky Sports went in. I don't know I if know. you saw social media, but. They were posting left, right, and center about all the issues, and you could really—it almost got like a sense of jealousy from Sky mm. Sports because they would love to be in that position where they could host a race in Las Vegas and make that money. You know, it's like, oh, we could have done it better. That's the way I see it. Like this, there's, there's almost a fight between the media companies. But yeah, but the way, so yeah. the way Las Vegas um, produced this show. Yeah. It's much different to what we've seen in the past. Yeah, know? and Max Verstappen was basically saying that, oh, the, the race itself was too much of a show and not enough about the racing because it takes the focus away from what people are there to see. They're not there to party. They're not there to have drinks or gamble or, you know, do anything that you can do on a typical night out. But F1 is about motor racing at the end of the day. They, they go car racing. Completely as, agree, yeah. As uh, Michael Massey said. In Abu Dhabi 2021, we went car racing. That's 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 the goal, and that's what Max wants to see. He wants to see racing. So that's what it should be for me. Uh, it's great if they want to have that as a side thing, but it shouldn't be the main focus. It shouldn't be no. the main point of investment because you're trying to entice people to the sport for the sport, not for everything around it. Completely agree. I mean, especially after the race uh, this morning, they didn't even have any. Well. Again, they didn't have consideration for the drivers. No. They just dragged them off to the podium session, which took a large amount of time. Yeah. And realistically, they just want to go home. They just want to go home and uh, have a good sleep, you know, mm. instead of being awake at 4 a.m. It's exactly, kind of a bit yeah. ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. But that also brings me on to the celebrities that you see on the on the grid walk. You've got big names such as Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Shaq. I... I completely agree that they can be on the grid. Yeah. But like the way Shaq was talking to Martin Brundle or ignoring Martin Brundle. Yeah. They don't just they don't get the sport like we do. No. I'd give the fans that opportunity rather than these big names. To be fair, they did try and do that one year and it kind of fell flat on its face because half the people they were trying to talk to didn't speak English. You but know. either way, like you have these celebrities who don't know F1 legends like Martin Brundle and mm. completely ignore them. Yeah. You're here to watch Formula One and you're meant to be a part of Formula One, yeah. not to boost your own brand. Yeah, but and that's the most of the reason why people will come on to these sorts of things. It's they're, they're interviewing for themselves to get themselves out there, what they have to mm. show. Like it's not always for the, it's not always for the sport. It should really yeah. be that way, but it's just not. But you do get these big celebrities yeah. who are massive fans of the sport, like David yeah. Beckham, Gordon Ramsay. Mm. But I just I don't like it when you have these celebrities like Machine Gun Kelly the other the other week yeah. and uh, Shaq and. Who just don't have that same respect, and 
I mean, again, Sky Sports and F1 are trying to put on the show as much as Las Vegas. And Martin Brundle doesn't deserve to have be ignored on the gridwalk like like this. But anyway. Right, let's do some quick-fire predictions for Abu Dhabi since we're running out of time. Let's speed it up. So, qualifying poll, who you got? Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen too. Um, we're in agreement there. I don't, there think that's, I don't think there's much to say, just... Yeah, going Max for his uh, 54th uh, Grand Prix win, I think. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, beating yeah. Vettel's record there. Yeah. Race top five. So, both saying Max? Max Verstappen, P1, yeah. for sure. But then fifth? Uh, I'll go for Carlos Sainz. Sainz? I put, He's going to overcome this weekend. I've not got Sainz in mind. My fifth is actually Lewis Hamilton. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, I think they could... I think we'll, we'll get to this a bit later, but I think Mercedes could be doing really well. Um, uh, but I think they might blunder a little bit and mm. they'll just get good points Okay. and not much more. So fourth, I've got Charles Leclerc. Going for Lando Norris. Okay. Lando Norris is my P3, actually. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So I've well, got him on the podium. Well, for my P3, I've gone for Charles Leclerc. So, okay, we're uh, other way around. It yeah. could go either way. It could, could do. It really way. could do. But you've got two Ferraris in the points there. So, yeah, it's interesting. You've, you're quite hopeful for them on that track. Cause I've, got a, I've got a reason for that. Okay. We'll see you in a minute. Okay. And then P2? Sergio Perez. Sergio Perez as Let's well. Let's go. We're in a bit of an agreement yeah. today. This yeah, is so our predictions are in sync, which is nice oh, to wow. see for once. Really good. For we, sure. we do, for you guys listening along, uh, we actually do these all blind. We don't show our predictions to each other. We just write them in our own time, and we'll come in and basically show them to each other as uh, is. So... I'm sorry. I know I always uh, hate on you, Lewis, but this week I'm going to hate on Theo. Why? <laughs> because uh, Lewis is always the most accurate with these predictions. And if you're in agreement, that means you must be uh, at least somewhat accurate. This yeah, week. May- yeah, maybe you've like yeah. switched on a bit now. Hey, that's the... Hey, I don't <laughs> like this. <laughs> I went bold with my predictions in the past, and I think I'm starting to, you know... Go a little bit more logical and unbiased, but we'll see. <laughs> Let's move on to bigger surprise. So I think Sargent's going to make some good overtakes on a track that's not known for its overtaking. Okay. I I, I really hope that we can finally see a bit more out of him to, to show that he deserves that seat. And I think that's the best way. They're not going to get points, but if he can fight in that second half of the field, then that's all that I care about, really. And okay. yeah, if he does that, great job. Very so I, I think he will get there. Yeah. I think there's a final race. It'll be his final chance to prove himself. He's got the determination from the qualifying that he just had. Uh, and he did fall back through the grid. Not of any fault of his own. Uh, a little bit of his own, actually. It was just unfortunate circumstances. Yeah, but he did end up slipping back a bit just because of the strategy. And he's not used to that. But it's fine. Yeah. Uh, your biggest surprise? Daniel Ricciardo. Okay, because he's he's not had the best results in the past in the last couple of races, but I think this weekend he could turn it around and could uh, show a bit more of what he showed in Mexico. I, I really want to see that happen, yeah. and I think he will do. Me too. I can I can back that surprise. That would be nice okay. to see. Biggest flop, Esteban Ocon. Okay, I think we're a bit Ocon hating here. I, I I don't know how to feel about it. Mm, I just think he's had such a good weekend. Unbelievable race. Went from P sixteen to P P five. P four. Okay. Is a stroll that went from nineteen to fifth. And yeah. then yeah. How at least one of well, 
how one of them didn't get driver of the day, I, I don't know. Mm. Uh, um, two unbelievable drives. Yeah. It's just because they're not so popular, so people aren't really watching them, you know? For someone like Charles Leclerc, you see him fighting for the lead, you're going to give him driver of the day, right? Yeah, exactly. But it was it was a mega job from them both, and I've got a hand that to them, even though I'm not really the biggest fan of either of them. No. Uh, it's just great to see that they've actually, okay. you know, pulled something out of the bag. But, you know, he could start have some bad luck again in the last race. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I can agree with that. They're so unpredictable, and you don't know what's going to happen with either of them. I think Esteban Ocon, in particular, will um, will not have a particularly good race. Yeah. For me, my biggest flop is Alfa Romeo are going to have a DNF on their last race. A double DNF? No, just just one DNF. Just one DNF. Yeah, at least. Maybe a double DNF. Okay. I remember it, like, in the past, though, towards the end of the, the season, their cars seemed to like fall off reliability-wise. I think that will probably happen here at Abu Dhabi as their last race as Alfa Romeo Sauber yeah. before they move to Haas as Alfa Romeo Money Graham Haas F1 team, which is a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> it's not the only mouthful on the grid, to be fair. You've got Aston Martin, Aramco, Cognizant F1 team, which Goodness is me, yeah, yeah. a bit long. But um, yeah, I think single DNF is pretty safe prediction. Uh, okay. Just based on their track record, so which one is going to be most likely to DNF out of the out of the two? I'm going to say Bottas. Bottas. As yeah, Joe's been getting fun. a bit too much bad luck and things like that, so hopefully we can see something from him in okay. the lower midfield. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. And finally, wild cards. Uh, I've got written here. As I'll tell you what it says word for word. Mercedes strategy is poo. Fumble a podium for Hamilton. Okay. It's going to be dog water strategy and. He'll probably be running quite high up in the grid, and then it'll probably there'll be something with the strategy or something in the pits where he loses some time, and he manages to climb back up into good points, but not really enough to get on the podium. That's okay. my prediction. It's a little bit specific, but yeah. that's the whole thing with these wild cards. It's, it's very something, similar. Something stupid. Yeah, you know? very similar to what I've got, to be honest. Oh, is it? There's a reason why there's no Mercedes in the top five, because I've gone for Russell and Hamilton collide. Tussle with Russell. Tussle with Russell. But, you know, it could happen. It's happened before. It happened in Qatar. And it could happen again. Mm. And I've gone for that yeah. as my as my wild card. So your eyes light up when I said tussle with Russell. Do you like that, Producer Dax? Stop bringing me into uh, your podcast in such a bad way. <laughs> no. Yes. No. Yes. If do you, do you, you just... want to do the work yourself? <laughs> Oh, right, please, sit, no. Sit, sit, back, <laughs> sit back and shut up. Sit back and shut up. Get to work. What are you doing? Silly boy. Anyway, I think that's about all we've got time for. Thanks for being with us on Full Throttle today. Next week's episode is going to be a special live stream on LSU TV, and it'll drop a day later on Tuesday. Visit our new website, fullthrottlepodcast.net, and stay tuned on socials for updates. Catch you on the track next week. Looking forward to the face reveal. Lost for a Campus Radio.